Are you ready to create and grow the impactful and profitable business you've been dreaming of? It's all possible. A bigger audience, more impact, and a new revenue stream. We'll show you how. I'm Jenny Barcelos. And I'm Sandy Connery. And this is the Soulful MBA Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Soulful MBA Podcast episode 58. Today's episode is called Resolutions. I'm Jenny Barcelos, and I'm joined with my co-host, Sandy Connery. Hey, Sandy. Jennifer, what's going on? We're going to talk about resolutions, why we do or do not make them, how we feel about them, and what we think is wrong with them. Yeah, it's uh, that time of year where that's all that's in my inbox is productivity and have your best year and... uh, Goal setting, optimization, living your best life, having your best year, all that, et cetera, et cetera. And I think as two people who have rather storied pasts with respect to Mm self-development, I think we can talk about this a little bit and about our own take on this, especially after kind of going through some hard knocks as business owners and realizing that you know, as much as you plan and focus on productivity, there's when you're doing something new in the world or something ambitious or something challenging, there's stuff that comes up that will veer you off your perfect little schedule. So yeah, we're a little jaded. So, you know, take what we say with a grain of salt. Some of you have maybe a little bit more authority over your lives than we do. However, I think that all of that is an illusion. There's no such thing as security in this world, only islands of stability. So Let's talk about it. So this episode was inspired by a New Yorker article that in the paper edition of the New Yorker is called Resolutions, What If Self-Improvement is Making Us Worse by Alexandra Schwartz. And um, in the online edition, Sandy, it's called something else. I can't remember, but something similar. Online, it's called Improving Ourselves to Death. Yeah. So it's a really interesting article that came out um, in January of 2018, so January 15th, that issue of The New Yorker. And it's really picking at the self-development industry and sort of the self-help world. And I think because it's the beginning of the year and there's so much emphasis in our culture at large on these topics, I think it's worth digging into. And the author, Alexandra Schwartz, voiced a lot of the same issues that I happen to have with this movement or this collection of, of work as well. So we just kind of wanted to talk about it. So Sandy, how do you, like, what was your biggest takeaway from this? Like, how do you feel about resolutions and goal setting and planning? Yeah, I really enjoyed the article. And I am not someone who makes resolutions. Once I made a resolution about wearing more dresses, like that's how serious I get about resolutions. It's nothing to do with business and goals because I find at the end of the year, I like to look like that's typically my business's fiscal year in, like financially, the year is over. And I like to look back at the financials of it. But as far as like, and I, and you and I sat down and we did some goal setting and some, you know, some targets. But for me, I really like doing that stuff in September, like when the summer is over and the break is over and like, okay, what are we going to achieve this year? I find that more relevant in September than in December. So the rest of the world is talking about uh, January goal setting and, you know, have your best year and, you know, all these resolutions. So I get really tired of it quickly. Like I just delete, delete, delete. I can't, I don't really participate in it. Do you set resolutions for yourself? No. Oh, okay. 
but I do have like dreams. So I, I try yeah. to, I mean, I, I don't know. It doesn't happen for me in January, but I have like certain goals, but my goals are like, uh, I want to put a cloth bathtub down in the forest <laughs> so that I can take baths in the woods and like get a fire underneath it. Like I, so then I'll go look on like Craigslist and look at old, you know, iron clawfoot tubs that I can try to buy and haul over to our property. Like, but that happens throughout the year, right? Like it's, you don't just sit down and create a dream or ideas of what you want to do in December. Yeah, no, it happens all the time. But I, I try to think about like, oh, it's like Christmas just happened and it's New Year's. Like I start thinking about what we're going to do this summer. Are we going to go on vacation? Mm-hmm. Like who's going to visit? And I think, oh, I want to have a bathtub in the woods by the time we have our visitors this summer. So I don't know. I don't think people can relate to my life. Like, I honestly don't know how normal that is. I do have like business. I feel like we talked about what do we want to do financially in 2018. I mean, we talked about that as business owners together. But in terms of my personal life, like, no. I mean, it's like I try to be my best version of who I am all the time. Yeah, for me, it's financial. It's, it's financial goals and setting and stuff like that. I also, I, I find the industry, um, it, it's it's interesting how over the last, I don't know, 10 years, five years, that this whole like self-improvement, self-optimization, all these tricks and tips, and it, it just seems like every, and I think probably it started with Tim Ferriss's book, The 4-Hour Workweek, that everyone is trying to make like six figures, seven figures and work three days. And that there's this whole movement to improve oneself and optimize oneself and life and hacks to make a lot of money and work very little. And that is just, how do you feel about that, Jenny? You know how I feel about it. I mean, I I actually have been obsessing over this topic since I read this article. Like, I can't get it out of my mind because it resonated with me and hit home a lot of points and articulated them and put into words a lot of the feelings that I've been having. And I just want to say... We did a whole podcast on meaning, and that really mm-hmm. answers the question for me. Like, I, ultimately, I want to have a meaningful life. And if I personally am not challenging myself on sort of all cylinders, I don't feel good. Like, I don't feel right. I think burnout is a real thing. Um, but at the same time, I also think that lifelong learning and constant sort of doing our best is kind of what life is about, right? And so I think that's different than this kind of Mm self-optimization stuff that's taken over our culture. I think a lot of this, um, in in the article, Alexandra Schwartz talks about in our current era of nonstop technological innovation, fuzzy wishful thinking, which is what had been sort of the previous doctrine of the self-help movement, has yielded to the hard doctrine of personal optimization. Self-help gurus need not be charlatans peddling snake oil. Many are psychologists with impressive academic pedigrees and a commitment to scientific methodologies. And she's talking about mm-hmm. how now it's become like this, it's almost the scientific process of optimization of every stage of your life. And I, I think that takes the whimsy and uh-huh. sort of the heart and the soul out of living. I, I mean, yeah. I, there are certain areas where I think you can optimize, right? Like if, if you don't like to exercise and you want to only exercise seven minutes a day and still be healthy, I mean, sure. But for me, I don't want to do anything that I have to force myself to do, right? So I'm going to go hiking in my neighborhood. Like, I don't want to think about how many minutes am I hiking. Like, I don't care. I want to enjoy yeah. my life. 
And the, also, this whole industry is making us feel really inadequate in many areas that we didn't feel inadequate before, right? Yeah. Like it's making us think there's something wrong with us. And that's that's a huge issue I have. And I love uh, the author references a book called Desperately Seeking Self-Improvement. And I haven't read this book, but I did hear the two authors interviewed. One is um, their two professors who work in a school, a business school in, a, in an area called, um, I think it's called organization studies or something like that. And they spent, they did this, they wrote this book together. One is Swedish and one is, the other one is from uh, New Zealand. And they spent one year, 12 months, and each month they set out to optimize something in their life. So each month was themed, whether it was pleasure or sleep or anxiety. Um, and so they they both independently, you know, read a book or took a course or whatever to optimize whatever that month was about. And so they spent an entire year focusing on themselves, trying to improve themselves. And I, they were interviewed on CBC Radio. Is that a Canadian word? Do you know what CBC means? I do because there? of you, Sandy. Oh, and our Canadian, Canadian listeners will know. But do you know what you know what BBC means, right? I do. The Americans, but yeah. but CBC isn't as well known as BBC. Absolutely not. <laughs> Okay, so see, here's your introduction. We're going to put the link to this this interview because it was really good. It's Anna Maria Tremonti on a she has a really a national big popular national um, radio show, and she interviewed these authors, and it was so interesting that as they described this sort of seeking you know self optimization, making themselves better, improving their lives, at the end of the year they were not very happy. And they are friends, they're colleagues, and at the end of the year, their relationship was extremely strained. One of the professors, his wife was expecting a baby in December at the end the end of the 12 months, and his relationship with his wife wasn't very good, and they blame it on spending 12 months focusing on themselves. Yeah. This sort of self-absorbed, I think, I think there was a phrase in there, aspirational narcissism. Yep, that's exactly what I would call it, is narcissistic. It's just, it, it's crazy. And how does that help any of us if we all just focus on ourselves? Yeah, well, so that's my fundamental critique of the self-development movement and of any kind of goal setting or productivity work that is extremely navel-gazing, right? Like that's the problem is that like, what are you not paying attention to because you're obsessed with mm -hmm. how many steps you got or how many grams of whatever you put into your body or how many cold showers you take in the morning or you know what mm -hmm. like how many minutes you meditate like honestly if that is what you're putting your attention on in your life like the, my response is all, to something like this is always so what are you not putting your attention on like, what are you not seeing around you because you're so focused on the minutia of your own human existence? And I, I find the whole thing repulsive, like, to be honest. And I, you know, there are, there are times in my life where this, this sort of self-development world really appealed to me. But since it has turned into this, like, productivity, measurable movement, I, I don't. I'm turned off. I mean, I used to, like, as a, as a child, I would, like, watch Anthony Robbins infomercials. Like, I read self-development books since I was a kid, like a little, little kid. And some of them really spoke to me. And I, I got a lot, I think, uh, out of reading them at different phases of my life. And at this phase of my life, I, I don't feel a need for that. And I, I really though am turned off by this sort of hyper productivity focused work. 
So one of the points that came up in the article that also really resonated with me and hit home was the fact that the self-development movement as it stands now, is sort of considered to be the pinnacle of hypercapitalism. So the fact that workers, I mean, pr- productivity workers, are so focused on improving their own productivity that, that that's actually, like, who's that benefiting? It's benefiting the owners in society. It's benefiting the biggest businesses and and sort of the people who already have all the resources, like, to drastically oversimplify it and so in many ways like incorporating and owning internally this productivity drive is actually um, just a dangerous way that capitalism has manifested itself in our culture these people aren't thinking about the implications of what they're doing in the world they're not thinking about community they're not thinking about all of these you know these other things that in my mind are more meaningful because they're thinking about how can I be the most productive version of myself and I, I would argue that being the most productive version of yourself and being the best version of yourself are not necessarily the same thing. No, not at all. And uh, just going back to that meaning episode we did a while ago, I read the book, The Power of Meaning for that episode. And she clearly, she interviewed all these people, had all these case studies of people who felt like they had meaning in their life and those who didn't. And it was very clear that those who would say, "I my life has meaning or I lead a meaningful life are those that um, connect and contribute with something that's beyond themselves. And that's not necessarily the same as happiness, but if you talk about like my life has meaning, it it is something beyond the self. And this whole movement is the exact opposite. It's just all, yeah, felt, uh, focus on yourself, focused inward. Yeah, I, I, I think it, it's an interesting look at it. Um, and also, Jenny, you found an article uh, or a reference to Woody Guthrie's um, New Year's resolution. What year was that from? Oh my gosh, Do you remember? It? It. Yeah, I have the link. It's right here. so interesting to me, and it, it it just shows how like things have changed, right? 1943. I think I found this article through Austin Kleon's newsletter, but I'm not 100 percent sure. But yeah, it's um, January 1st, 1943, and it's a photograph of Woody Guthrie's handwritten personal notebook where he jotted down 33 of his New Year's resolutions. And like it's things like stay glad, love mama, love papa, love everybody, make up your mind, dance better, shine shoes. (laughs) You know, there's nothing that is measurable here there's no quantitative anything in here it's like wash teeth if any like eat fruits and vegetables but the simplicity of this and the and it, it has lots to do with other people in here right like love mama yeah, love i love it. i love it i love like ah uh, it just makes me happy n- his number 25 is play and sing good like that's his <laughs> one of his resolutions and then 32 is make up your mind. And 33 is wake up and fight. Um, listen to the radio a lot is number 14. I mean, can you imagine? Like that's, th- these are like my version of resolutions. I'm like, find a clawfoot bathtub on Craigslist and put in the forest and build a fire underneath. Like <laughs> I want to build a barn this summer. I want to, you know, like I want to take my daughter to the Grand Canyon. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like I don't have like, optimized morning routine on mine like that's not my life and so I think that it's it's just really interesting right to have the perspective of like you have this one precious life and you know just obviously 
Don't go down a rabbit hole where you're so unaware of what you're doing because you're focused on hyperproductivity that you're unaware of the life consequences of your life on the people around you. This podcast is brought to you by the Namastream software platform. Namastream is a tool designed to help you teach, train, and coach from anywhere on the planet. If you're a wellness professional looking to take your business to the next level, you can learn more at namastream.com. I think there's lots of positive things that come out of the self-help movement. And sometimes, you know, maybe you do need some sleep hacks. Like, I just feel like it's like a one-off thing. Like, I need help in this area, but I don't need to overhaul my entire my entire life and there's you know there's some people I follow like Ben Greenfield whose entire business is around hacking health things and making him the you know to live like this super long healthy uh life it's kind of interesting to watch uh, or to to watch and listen to him um but that's his business but for most of us you know if we need help there's there's nothing we can't find help for like there's solutions out there for anything I just don't think everything needs to be optimized. Yeah, obviously. And then and the other piece that the author of this article references is social media. And we've, you know, we've mm-hmm. been critical of social media before in this podcast. And we use it and we try to be really intentional about how we use it and how we teach others to use it uh, like like we do. But it's really interesting because Um, She says, like reality television before it, social media frames human relationships as a constant competition for popularity and approval. And um, and she even goes so far as to say that, meanwhile, parents continue to feed their children the loving, well-intentioned lie that there are no limits and they can be anything, which leaves the kids blaming themselves rather than the market's brutality when they inevitably come up short. And I think this is um, really interesting because I... Also read this book while, you know, in the process of getting this magazine. And uh, I was reading this book sort of taking apart the millennial generation. And I'm like the oldest edge of millennials. And so I'm always sort of, I like relate to some millennial behavior and I really don't relate to others. And um, and I read this book sort of about how the millennial generation has been screwed. And part of the whole premise of this book, which is written by a millennial, was just that you know kids have been taught that they can do anything be anything and then now like they they came of age during a massive economic global economic collapse where um because they were told that they have the power to do anything they also felt the burden and the blame when their goals weren't achieved or they've fallen short or they're walking away like many of my friends with $200,000 of student loan debt. And so I think that the societal implications of these kinds of messages are complicated and important to, to think about. You know, and I know many of the folks who listen to our podcast are in the health and wellness sector. That's the audience that uses our software product. And that's where many of you have probably heard of us. Um, and, and for many of you, I think your work, like your career, your life's work is helping people to better understand themselves, be in touch with themselves and live better lives. And so in in no way are we knocking that. We fundamentally believe in what you're doing. I think that the episode we're recording today is just a cautionary, you know, word of warning that you can take this stuff too far or you if if you put this out in in certain ways it can be really dangerous to people. Yeah, and 
I think uh, that he or the author quoted an, um, Brinkman. He's a, he wrote a book called Stand Firm, and and in there he's like, "What's wrong with being average? Is there, is there anything really awful about that?" And that that one made me really think. You know, like really, because we're always trying to be the best and make the most and do the do the best. And it's like, you know what? Sometimes it's just okay to be average. And the social media is, you know, that constant perfectionism that's passing through our feed is sort of fighting that, like, which had a little breakdown this morning with you, Jenny, about that exact same thing, right? And yeah. you know what? We're all just okay. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think the, the point is to be the best version of yourself, right? But it's really hard to know what that is when you're sort of locked into a culture where everything is so hyper curated. You know, I really want to say, like, I really love the imperfection that we do see when we see it though, like on mm-hmm. social and yeah. in our culture. Like, I, I love it when my friends are posting grainy pictures of their meal in a restaurant for their 10 year wedding anniversary. Like I'm appreciative that they're sharing that moment and that I'm proud I'm proud of them for staying married that long. Like I <laughs> I'm happy that they're sharing that for a minute with with their friends and their community. You know, and so this this idea that everything is so hyper curated, I think that the way that you address that is by putting yourself out in a way that isn't always hyper curated. So, you know, there's that's a whole other conversation about how do we embrace technology and embrace our culture, like some of these great tools that we have in our culture in a way that's not continuing to damage the, the humanity of the people that are participating with it. Yeah, inter- it, yeah, super interesting conversation. I'd love to hear what our listeners think about resolutions and if they set them and what kind of goals um, or if they've had some kind of questioning thoughts about their, their inbox and their Facebook feed filling up with all this kind of information. Yeah, I think that we maybe (laughs) have some unpopular ideas, but we'll see. It'll be interesting to see if other folks relate to this. I think you and I both are sort of like, you know, six weeks ago, we were like, we should do a podcast on goals and the new year. And and I think we kept putting it off and kept putting it off because we both had these kind of like uncomfortable feelings with the topic. And then when we stumbled across this article and some of these other resources were like, oh, <laughs> maybe this is why we haven't put this podcast episode out yet. Yeah. So now yeah. we have stuff to say. Okay, let's move to joy and hustle. You have the joy. Okie dokie, I have the joy. And this is going to further <laughs> embarrass me in the world of <laughs> podcasting. This is island life joy. Oh my God. So, okay. So like many people, because it's trendy and cool and hip to bake sourdough bread, my husband does this. And so he wants to get a grain mill. So I'm going to make that the joy. But I, I, the reason I'm talking about it is because in addition to grinding your own wheat berries for sourdough bread, <laughs> I really want to use this thing to grind oatmeal, to make colloidal oatmeal for homemade bath and body products and like I want to go take my dried seaweed that I can collect on my beaches and grind that into a fine powder to put in my bath salts that I make for my daughter and so it's like super you know crafty crafty yeah super island living like borderline prepper kind of behavior (laughs) to buy a ridiculous steamboat willy looking grain grinder and maybe other folks have these you know I know some people grind their own grain but to me it's like all right, are we taking this whole like pseudo off-grid living a little too far? I'm sort of a city girl at heart. And so 
I'm trying to embrace my new life and I'm kind of excited at the same time to have like this giant wheel with a handle on it that we can grind in our house and make all kinds of cool stuff. Where would you put that, Jenny? Oh, God. Well, this is why we're building the barn. (laughs) Yeah. It's not really a barn. It's like a garage. We don't have a garage, so. But barn sounds much better. I I want it to be a little barn. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to basically the other thing that I want to get and I'll I want to get a ceramic kiln in there too. So that's like. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah. Wouldn't it be cool? So people can come like I can have retreats in my on my house and we can make like beads like pottery beads for jewelry. Oh my goodness. That's the dream, right? (laughs) So instead of focusing on hyper productivity, I'm thinking about what ceramic kiln I want to put in the barn that we build this summer. Yeah, but that's good. Like, what can you make with your hands, you know? Yeah, that's Instead what makes me happy. Honestly, Two more like, minutes of sleep. Yeah, yeah, making stuff, like, digitally and making software and doing the work that we do is also, it can be creative at times and it can feel good to make something. But there's a totally different thing to make stuff with your hands, right? And you you obviously experience that with your drawing. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're going to move to hustle, which is, like, the most opposite thing of what Jenny just mentioned for her joy. <laughs> Calendly is our is a scheduling tool that uh, we use all the time, and I know um, many of our teachers and followers do. Um, and the problem with Calendly that I've always been struggled with is that if I need to give the link to someone to meet with me, I have to open up Cal. I have to find the webpage. I have to open it up. I have to like find the meeting, the right meeting, and then I have to like drop down and I have to copy and then I have to share that link. And there's a lot of steps to give this link to share to book a meeting with me. Calendly has come out with a new Chrome extension and it makes life so much easier. So you install this little extension, one click on the extension icon and all your meetings are right there and you can just copy the link and send it over. It's so fast and so much better. And uh, my frustration with Calendly has disappeared. So for any Calendly users out there, I would definitely suggest uh, downloading this extension. And Calendly is a productivity tool. So we are not against all productivity tools, but I am. I have tested and played around with and happen to have booked appointments with people that are using artificial intelligence driven calendar booking systems. And I will say that that crosses the line for me. But a tool like Calendly where I as a human being am inputting everything and when somebody sends a message, I as a human being am responding to it or someone else that's a human being is responding to it. That's cool with me. If you start using those AI bots as your scheduling tool, man, I'm I'm old school about that. That's taking it a little too far. <laughs> Hi, I'm Kayla. I'm here to help you schedule your appointment. That's exactly that kind of right. That freaks me out. <laughs> I'm sure that would freak our folks out too. I hope so. I hope we don't live in a world in like five years where everyone has AI bots answering their emails oh, for them. Man. Please let's oh, not man. let that become our world. Okay. All right. That's it, folks. Back to our Luddite lives building a software company. We will see you on Wednesday for office hours. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, Jenny. Bye. Soulful MBA is not just the name of our podcast. It's also the name of our premium business course and community. If you are a wellness entrepreneur who dreams of growing your business online, but you're not clear on your next steps and you wish you had someone to guide you, then we've got something for you. Get Soulful MBA's first syllabus and three free video lessons by heading over to soulful.mba slash sample.